RGC, 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 RGC. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Carl Phillips, speaking to you from the observatory in Edinburgh. I am standing in a large semicircular room, pitch black except for an oblong split in the ceiling. Through this opening, I can see a sprinkling of stars that cast a kind of frosty glow over the intricate mechanism of the huge telescope. The ticking sound you hear is the vibration of the clockwork. Professor Pearson stands directly above me on a small platform, peering through a giant lens. I ask you to be patient, ladies and gentlemen, during any delay that may arise during our interview. Besides his ceaseless watch of the heavens, Professor Pearson may be interrupted by telephone or other communications. During this period, he is in constant touch with the astronomical centres of the world. Professor, may I begin our questions? At any time, Mr. Phillips. Professor, would you please tell our radio audience exactly what you see as you observe the planet Mars through your telescope? Nothing usual at the moment, Mr. Phillips. A red disc swimming in a blue sea, transverse stripes across the disc, quite distinct now because Mars happens to be the joint nearest to Earth, in opposition as we call it. In your opinion, what do these transverse stripes signify, Professor Pearson? Not canals, I can assure you, Mr. Phillips. Although that's the popular conjecture of those who imagine Mars to be inhabited. From a scientific viewpoint, the stripes are merely the result of atmospheric conditions. Then you're quite convinced as a scientist that living intelligence as we know it does not exist on Mars. I'd say the chances against it are a thousand to one. And yet, how do you account for those gas eruptions occurring on the surface of the planet at regular intervals? Mr Phillips, I cannot account for it. By the way, Professor, for the benefit of our listeners, how far away is Mars from the Earth? Approximately 40 million miles. Well, that seems a safe enough distance. Ladies and gentlemen, someone has just handed Professor Pearson a message. Whilst he reads it, let me remind you that we are speaking to you from the observatory in Edinburgh, where we are interviewing the world famous astronomer Professor Pearson. One moment, please. Professor Pearson has passed me a message which he has just received. Professor, may I read the message out to the audience? Certainly, Mr. Phillips. Ladies and gentlemen, I shall read you a message addressed to Professor Pearson from Dr. Gray of the National History Museum, London. 9.15pm, GMT. Seismograph registered shock of almost earthquake intensity occurring within the radius of 20 miles of Aberdeen. Please investigate. Signed, Lloyd Gray, Chief of Astronomical Division. Professor Pearson, could this occurrence possibly have been something to do with the disturbances observed on planet Mars? 
Hardly, Mr. Phillips. This is probably a meteorite of unusual size, and its arrival at this particular time is merely a coincidence. However, we shall conduct a search. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the latest bulletin from the RGC News. Professor Morse of McGill University, Toronto, Canada, reports observing a total of three explosions on the planet Mars between the hours of 7.45pm and 9.20pm GMT. This confirms earlier reports received from British observatories. Now, near home, comes a special announcement from Aberdeen. It is reported that at 8.50pm, a huge flaming object, believed to be a meteorite, fell on a farm in the neighbourhood of Seafield. The flash in the sky was visible within a radius of several hundred miles, and the noise of the impact was heard as far north as Orkney. We've dispatched a special mobile unit to the scene, and we'll have our commentator Carl Phillips give you a word description as soon as he can reach there from Edinburgh. In the meantime, we take you to the musical...